Good morning and welcome to South Florida Sundays. I'm your host, Sharina, and today I'm joined by Dr. Suzanne Spencer, the CEO of Living Skills in the Schools, and by Teresa Barrows, who is a program director for Living Skills in the Schools, as well as a licensed marriage and family therapist. With the National Drug and Alcohol Fact Week coming up here pretty soon, uh, March 20th through the 26th, you ladies are the perfect people to be speaking to today. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Serena, for having us. It's our pleasure to be guests on your show. You are very much welcome. For those who don't know, what is a Living Skills in the Schools program and what do you do? Living Skills in the Schools is a substance abuse prevention program. We're a program under a not-for-profit foundation, the CRC Recovery Foundation. And we've been serving schools in Palm Beach County since 1999 with substance abuse prevention programming. Um, And now we've extended our services to Broward County as well. Oh, wow. (laughs) This probably is dating me, but it almost reminds me of the D.A.R.E. program that we used to have in the schools. What made you start the program? So um, you're right. A lot of people think of D.A.R.E. when they think about substance abuse prevention. Um, A lot of things have changed. We've learned a lot from the times of D.A.R.E. We do things significantly different at living skills in the schools at at this time. Uh, We serve children kindergarten through 12th grade in addition to families and our school professionals as well with programming. Um, So very comprehensive. A child could be with us all the way from K through 12th grade through key transitions in their lives. We don't focus on any one substance versus numerous substances. And uh, we also touch on some um, early elementary skills. So obviously in kindergarten through fourth grade, we're not talking about drugs and alcohol, but we Mm -hmm. are talking about coping skills and decision making and you know, self-awareness, those types of things. And then we progress in age appropriateness in the programming that we develop. I can tell you that on any given year, certainly in the last couple of years, this year, we're probably going to reach around 77,000 kids this school year just in County alone. That's amazing. And I love how like you make sure that the children will understand what you're teaching them. You don't just go right into drugs and alcohol when they're like five and they're like, what is that? You know, you actually take the time to like really understand their level of understanding. Our philosophy is it takes a village. So anytime we're interacting with children, particularly as licensed clinicians, you know, we meet children and families where they are. So we recognize that in a classroom, there are students who've been exposed and have a knowledge base, whether that's from a parent with a substance use disorder, um, an older sibling who's experimenting with substance use, and we have the students who have no idea about any of it because they've been sort of sheltered and protected. And, you know, we want to offer the information in a way where a student who is exposed feels they can talk, and the child who isn't exposed has an opportunity to learn without being kind of overexposed. So we always try to find the balance. And we're really looking at, you know, age appropriate. So we're looking at younger children learning how to select healthy peers, how to stay Mm. focused on goal setting. Because when it comes to choosing whether to try a substance or not, you're really looking at peer influences, social influences, emotional regulation, fitting in, and you're looking at, you know, gee, what is going to be the consequence if I try something like this? So we try to tackle all of those pieces that go into decision making with education on addiction as a disease that is preventable. Mm -hmm. Um, Children are smart. They want to be healthy. 
And so they they want to know that there are decisions they can make that can hurt them and decisions that can help them. So we teach that as early as we can. We do the building blocks for good self-esteem, for understanding self-concept and self-image, for choosing good friends. And then as they get older, we, we start to talk about specific dangerous substances that lead to addiction. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, the use of alcohol and certain drugs are so normalized. Like even adults have a trouble um, sometimes in social settings saying no. How do you kind of approach that with uh, children and especially teens? So they often do ask us, you know, what is, you know, what's the difference between me using it or an adult, right? Mm-hmm. And what we talk about is, you know, research is clear. The younger someone exposes their developing brain to an addictive substance, you start to impact the neurology around dopamine receptors. When we teach kids that the younger you use, the more at risk you are of actually developing the disease. Your, your risk factor increases the younger you start. The longer you wait, the more you put it off, the less likely you are to develop an addiction. So at its core, we are really teaching children about the risk of developing the disease and how to avoid it. And a key component of that is understanding risk factors around mental health issues, emotional regulation, good peers, and your age. If you're just too young, you're just too young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, let's say a student doesn't have an issue, but they notice a problem with a family member or friend. How do you support them in that? Because, you know, like the choice to get sober is that person's issue, but like the child still deals with that on a daily basis. That's a great question because that does come up a lot. Um, we have a lot of kids, you know, the younger kids often ask about worrying about a parent or grandparent. Um, most commonly, it's as simple as um, talking about nicotine addiction because oh, most yeah. kids are exposed to that on some level. Um, but we really try to talk to kids about the importance of seeking support, how the only thing you can do is inform your friend or a family member that you are impacted by their using, whether it's because you worry or they don't show up for you the way they should be showing up for you. Uh, We encourage kids to communicate that to the loved one with the understanding that you can't make someone want to get better from the disease. They, They will do that in their own way and in their own time. But you're telling them how you're impacted can influence that time frame. So we tell them you continue to communicate that and then you speak to other people to get your support. Most recently, I had a a 10-year-old ask in a classroom, how can I help my dad stop drinking? Oh, wow. And, you know, you, you take time to validate, like, that's a brave question and I'm so glad you asked. And I point out, this is what you do because your dad is not well right now and he can't be there for you. And I bet there's times that you wish he was. And the best thing you can do is you keep asking for help when you need it. Since he can't be there, he still wants you to have everything you need, even if he can't do it. So kind of 
promoting a child being able to advocate for self. Yeah. Is really what we try to do. That's so important. <laughs> My goodness. And that's why we really want to have clinicians in the field. That's what makes us great is that we have people who are equipped with how to handle that kind of question. Yeah, exactly. And uh, do you also teach a difference between moderation and abuse? Because there are households that where families will have a beer or a glass of wine with dinner, but there are those who consume and then they can't consume anymore. Do you teach the kids the difference between that? As a prevention program, our goal is to prevent the disease of addiction. And we know that 70% of kids who say they've used substances before the age of 13 will meet the criteria for a substance use disorder by the time they're 20. And we know 90% of rehab admissions are people who've admitted to using substances before the age of 17. And we know 30% of high schoolers say they're using alcohol within the last 30 days. That's a lot of kids at risk of developing a disease that is completely avoidable. Now, teaching adult use of substances is up to a family. We don't get into that discussion because anyone under age who's using substances is misusing and abusing it. And I'll just add, Serena, it's, um, you know, many times we think of uh, a family member giving prevention messaging or information to their children, and, and that's the typical flow we think of. Mm-hmm. But these days, the kids are taking the message home of prevention as well to yes. the family, right? So it's flowing um, back and forth, right? There is no hierarchy um, in terms of the way in which the message of prevention can flow. Yeah, because sometimes you don't realize what your kids are actually picking up from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see that you have programs for all age groups, including adults. What do your programs teach on the adult level? Yeah, so um, one of our favorite programs, because we love bringing our families together, our mm-hmm. adults, our parents, our caregivers, we have a program called Hidden in Plain Sight. So that's where the team um, travels with a, and sets up a mock teenager's bedroom, mm-hmm. and they hide items that are right in front of parents every day that are signs <sighs> of risky behavior. And then the parents and or caregivers are invited to come up and search the room and you know, dig underneath things, shake, open up things and see what they think they may see. Oh, that's so smart. And then our uh, clinical professionals go through the number of items that are actually right there in front of them and how easily accessible all these items are to their kids um, on the Internet. They go through social media mm-hmm. um, and some things that they may not recognize are, are signs that, you know, their peers may be engaging in substances. They go through how to have conversations conversation instead of confrontation. What happens if you do find something? How do you raise the topic with your child? Are you able to check your child's room, Um, etc. So that's a really powerful program. Yes, I can see how you're helping so many families. Like that is super important what you're doing. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And let's get to your podcast. You have the Talk With Your Mouthful podcast. What's that about? Yeah, so we're really excited about this. It's our first season of the Talk With Your Mouthful podcast, which was really created. Um, We wanted to bring families together with middle and high school age children together at the dinner table um, because we know the dinner table can be such a powerful place for families to bond and, and connect 
can have the ability to um, talk about a sensitive topic. So we have invited families to the dinner table with our program director, licensed marriage and family therapist, Teresa, who's on the line here, um, to have these critical conversations around substance abuse prevention. Oh, that's really interesting. So what kind of subjects have uh, come up at the dinner table so far? Our first episode, which which anyone can watch um, now, they're really organic conversations. They're designed to look like what it would look like at home. Um, what really reveals itself was it turns out all these great activities that we have kids in, instruments and sports and dance and Afro, you know, while the children really enjoy it, it turns out there's a stress factor connected to that. And kids don't know to communicate that sometimes. And um, we had three great kids who talked about how much they love their activities. But yeah, sometimes it can it can be a little bit of stress and it can be they're busy and it taxes their schedule. And and they never really shared that with their parents. And it's not that it was a problem. Um, But it certainly was an eye-opener, another factor that's good for a parent to know when they're trying to support their kids and, you know, managing stress and developing healthy coping skills starts with getting your kids to be able to share, you know, here's where I do have stress. And sometimes kids just don't know. Wow. Only a few episodes in, then this already seems like the most important podcast that anyone with kids could actually listen to and watch. Uh, what other? Uh, what are some of the topics that are coming up in the, the next episodes? The next episode is really going to talk about helping families identify, you know, what are the ways that there's a media divide, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, at a certain point, you don't know what your kids are watching. And so it's such a great opportunity for parents to kind of learn a little bit about what is out there that the kids are watching that might be influencing their attitudes towards substances. What's really nice as well is that with each episode, um, we do a uh, report, mm-hmm. and the report speaks to um, the family family systems as a whole and what, you know, on the bigger level, system, our family systems may be going through. So um, we kind of address, you know, what are the challenges when... Um, in terms of uh, future education, it may feel like, you know, I have to have my child in all these um, extracurricular activities to stay competitive for future yeah. education. So we address that. Um, we address, you know, uh, some of the challenges uh, with media influences, um, and what that's like on the family systems. Um, So it's really with each episode is a report as well as a blog. How do you come up with your episodes? Is that from like um, outside input? Do you take suggestions maybe? So we do a lot of prep before we actually film. Um, We interview um, families um, to determine who will be on each episode. And then um, we kind of curate on the back end, okay, based on what we know about this family, here are some parts of the topic that we'd like to touch on that we think would be relevant to, um, you know, their family system, their family dynamic, their family experiences, schools, etc. So every episode is different, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a straight line to substance abuse. We are speaking with Dr. Suzanne Spencer and Teresa Barrows of the Skills in the Schools program. This is an amazing program, and I am sure our listeners would love to get involved. How can they get in contact with you? So we'd love for them to uh, tune into the podcast. 
um, talkwithyourmouthful.org. Uh, so talkwithyourmouthful.org, um, and you can see episode two is being released this week. Really powerful episode. It's uh, a family with three young girls in middle and high school, a mom and dad. And uh, like I say, this episode is touching on media influences and the media divide and um, really, really powerful episode. And they can watch it on Apple as well, um, Apple Podcasts and um, talkwithyourmouthful.org. And you also said that you are a not-for-profit um, organization. Are there ways that the public can donate to you? Oh, we always love that. Yes. Um, they can go to living skills plural in the schools plural dot org thank you so much ladies for joining me today thank you thank you